the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. Welcome to the Jewish Hour. I'm your host, Herschel Finn, and we've got a great show for you today. It's a real honor for us to have in this half hour Rabbi Menachem Yanak, who is the CEO of the kosher division of the OU, the Orthodox Union, which is the world's largest kosher supervisory agent. We're going to talk about lab-grown meat, something which is a phenomenon which is happening. It's coming to your super, your supermarket or your restaurant sometime really soon. It's going to be there. They're not going to call it lab-grown, of course, because that, does, that sounds icky. They'll find something else to call it. So in the bottom half of the hour, we're going to be talking about Yom Kippur um, primarily. And there is no uh, portion of the week this week because it's usurped by the holiday of Sukkot. So we'll talk a little bit of that. Both. We've got to squeeze them both in. Yom Kippur is Sunday night. Sukkot is Friday night. We have a wonderful story, one of my favorite Hasidic stories at the end of the story, and we have music throughout. Before we do anything else, let's go right to the news. A Palestinian terrorist was shot and killed while trying to stab a border police near police officer near Jerusalem. Five Palestinians were wounded during a riot along the Gaza border fence. In a separate instance, one Palestinian shot at Israeli police during a border riot. Police wounded the man. Hamas has called for an uprising against Israel. Eleven bomb threats were called into synagogues in six states over the Rosh Hashanah weekend. Each call said that there were two pipe bombs in a black backpack, which leads me to think that's the same person doing it. No bombs, thank God, were found. Qatar announced that it will no longer be funding Hamas in Gaza. Qatar gives Hamas $30 million monthly. 
Qatar is disappointed that Hamas has not become more moderate. Like, what were you thinking, Qatar? It's some home news. The Hillel at University of Pennsylvania was vandalized by someone who entered the building, broke furniture, and made a mess while cursing racial slurs. He was chased away from the building by a caretaker. I don't know why they didn't wrestle him to the ground and have him arrested, but he's out there. University of Pennsylvania has scheduled a, an event in support of Palestinians the very next day. We're seeing if there's a kind of some kind of connection. And finally, Missouri, or should as they say there, Missouri, Missouri is the 35th state to adopt the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance's working definition of anti-Semitism, while also recognizing September as Jewish American Heritage Month. The month was chosen to coincide with the high holidays. And that's the news. Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Fimmen here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. We have the distinct pleasure of having, I wish we had had him on much earlier, could have found a reason why, Rabbi Menachem Ganak, who's the CEO of the Kosher's Division of the OU, quite a uh, an undertaking in and of itself. They, they supervise over um, close to a million and a half products. And we're going to be talking about a product which has recently come under the supervision, Kosher Lab Grown Meat. How are you, Rabbi Ganak? Good. Good to Yourself? Hear. Thank God. Baruch Hashem. Good. So let me just ask you, so the OU uh, supervises close to a million and a half products. Do you know all of them? Well, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> okay, very good. Get that out of the way. Okay, now, so that was our Milsa Dibuchu, so that's our little joke until you start with things off. Okay, so when just saying the word lab-grown meat, I've been like throwing this around for like two weeks since this whole thing hit the, the news wires that it was going to be kosher supervised. And when you say it, it's like you might as well just be saying, telling people that we're going to be, be making this food out of worms. I get, we'd get the same reaction. It's like, oh, oh, yuck. So tell us if you could, without um, going into any, for sure any propriety uh, information, but without getting too scientific, what is lab-grown meat? Well, <clears throat> lab-grown meat, I mean, has many names, artificial meat, cultured meat. Um, it's a new technology in which they take stem cells from meat or poultry, um, and they and they propagate it in a lab environment, laboratory environment, and then they 
in, ultimately in an industrial environment, and they make product which they're hoping to be identical, you know, in texture, taste, and so on, with with meat, with which they took from initially. Um, so this this kind of technology and this kind of product, which is not really yet in the market, um, is something that has a lot of potential and benefit for the Jewish community. First of all, it's important for everybody because in terms of climate change, it um, one of the sources of, of, of carbon and methane, a significant source in the environment, is cattle. So this would diminish that carbon footprint. And in terms of the kosher community, if this works out, um, it will... You know, when we slaughter an animal, we get on average something in the range of between 35 and 40 percent kosher rate. Um, and we only take half the animal because we don't take the hindquarters. So if, if this technology and product becomes available, we will be getting 100 percent kosher rate, which, is, you know, is economically significant. Okay, so you you said if so this is this is not a done deal. It's not like there's a product here. Like if somebody is doing say uh, an right. ice cream, and say, right. this, we have this ice so, cream. We want you to certify it. This is this is still it's still on the drawing board, then, Rabbi Ganak. Well, it's it's beyond the drawing board. I mean, they're, they're making you know, but in, in, they're making products already. But it's not it's not what it's not accessible really to the consumer. For example, this this new company that you know we're working with, um, Supermeat. Um, um, the product is, is available in, in you know, only in, in, in their context. It's not marketable at this point, and it probably will not come to market for over a year, um, somewhere between a year and two years, because it still requires FDA approval, USDA approval, and um, there are some, not kosher, but there are some products already that's available in the market. Um, and this one, you know, but not here in the United States yet. Okay. There have been not just this particular part, but in terms of the research and the development, there have been, you know, billions and billions of dollars invested in this. Okay. So, so run us through a little bit. So they gather stem cells. This would be from, I suppose, a cow or a chicken or a sheep mm-hmm. or uh, whatever. Some, some. Does it have to be a, a kosher animal that they're getting the stem cells from? Yes. Well, the OU's position is that it has to be a kosher animal, and it has to come from a slaughtered animal, a kashachtan animal, one that was shechted, because the loch is that if you derive something, you know, from the from a live animal, these stem cells, that would be considered. Even menachai or bosom menachai, which means what? There are, you know, there's some dispute about that. Um, there are different opinions, but the OU's position, based on its poskim, I've actually written a chew about it, but Rabbi Shechter, Rabbi Shavais, Mordechai Gross, they're all of an opinion that it has to come from a slaughtered animal. Now, the advantage of this new technology, this new product, is that you know, there's been some uh, um, publicity about it of late. The super meats, which is produced in Israel, is they don't take it from the animal directly. They take these stem cells from a, a newly laid egg. So that obviates the problem of having to worry about the shrita. Okay, but you, don't, you can't get a beef from a chicken. You can only get chicken from a chicken, I'm assuming. 
yes, we're not getting. I mean, the egg is coming from a chicken, but the you know the stem cells are coming from a live chicken. Okay, so fulfilling another technology. What exactly is a stem cell? So the stem cell is the is the DNA, the genetic material of the um, of the animal. Of, you know, of, um, so with, from which they build the, the product. Now it's not just it's not just that they. You no, know, it requires a lot of, you know, the different um, nutrients and so on. Lots of different things that go into making this. Okay, so now um, for the onion issue. So they're taking an, they have an egg. Okay, I would assume they would have to crack the egg open, and there are stem cells like like the eggs I get in my in the supermarket. So there are stem cells Correct. in those eggs. Did I did, right. I did I not notice them? Well, these the stem cells are microscopic. Okay. I mean, your vision is probably good, but who knows? Okay. So, um, are these eggs? Do they have to be fertilized eggs? They are fertilized eggs, and they're usually you have the, the stem cells would be taken out within you know a day or two of, of the of, you know of the egg being laid. It's before any blood spots have uh, emerged. Okay, so a blood spot would make the egg not kosher, and then you said you can't take something from a not kosher source, so Jews don't eat blood. So, But if the egg is still within one day or two days old and it's a fertilized egg, isn't this then the, we're taking it from this wouldn't still be considered a vermenachai, taking a... Taking a limb from a living animal, Rabbi Gernack? No, I mean we all eat eggs, right? Yeah. And uh, you can eat any kinds of eggs, even as long as they're not, uh, you know, you don't see blood spots in them, and so on. Um, it's interesting. This past week, I had a uh, company um, come to us, which was a um, a uh, another. Israeli company, and um, they came to, to apply. This is not for, for poultry, but for meat. Um, and they're able to take from a slaughtered animal. Um, so, you know, this technology is developing. The interesting thing I find is many of these companies, both in Silicon Valley and in, in Israel, of course, many of them have Israeli um, scientists who have been working on it and developing it. Okay, that is interesting. Okay, so now back to the egg. The the uh, in this case, you really have to ask which came first, the chicken or the egg. So, but so an egg is neither. Well, just a little bit of background for our listeners. Jews refrain from eating milk and meat together, and some things are dairy, some things are meat, and some things are neither. We call them parv. So eggs fit into the category, even though it's coming from a chicken. So eggs are considered parv. They're considered not meat, not dairy. So the the uh, OU is classifying, from what I understand from the articles that I read, is classifying this quote-unquote meat, which is grown from an egg, is classifying it meat. Why is it, if it's something that's coming from a parv source, a non-meat source, why is the product... Therefore, meat and not considered part of non-meat. Um, so that's a very good question, and it's by no means obvious that it should be categorized as meat or flesh. 
And, but as I said, we, we, we're looking for consensus about this product. God knows there's enough division in Israel and beyond in the communities. So the usher's advice is of the opinion that since it, you know, it's the exact same identical genetic material, so to, to explain his halachic position, he says, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's a duck. So his position is that it's meat. Um, many disagree with that. Um, but we, um, Rabbi Shechter has a different position, also an interesting position. He thinks that it's not meat, because after all, while it's derived from a meat, you know, an animal, but it's not coming from meat. Um, it's being developed and so on. So he thinks it's actually parv, except that it would fall under the rubric of the rabbinic um, category of 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 poultry. So while poultry biblically is not considered meat, and you would be allowed to cook it with milk, you um, the, the rabbis had decreed that it has the same status for certain things because people will confuse it with meat to be considered at least rabbinically meat. And there are differences whether it's biblically or rabbinically considered meat, for example, it, well, you're not allowed to cook meat and milk together. That's a biblical prohibition. That's a derisa. However, if it's poultry, you are allowed to cook them together. Just you can't eat them together. Also, meat and milk that's cooked together is not only forbidden to be eaten, you're not allowed to derive any benefit from it. Poultry, if it's cooked with milk, you, you can't derive benefit from it. So, and there are other opinions that think that it's just plain power. So in order to find a consensus on this, we went to Chumrah in terms of the Chumrah position, which is with Asher Weiss. Interesting, when I spoke to the CEO of this company, my thought was, I asked him, how would you like us to categorize it? Pav, meat. So he he said, I mean, I, I, I assumed he was going to say Pav, because that way you can eat it together with milk and so on. Cook it with milk. He said, no, I, I want it to be categorized as meat. I want people to think it's the real thing. Uh-huh. So on one hand, he'd be able to sell to vegans if it was considered parv, but on the other hand, he wants people to really <laughs> right. think. He wants people to think that they're actually getting a piece of meat, and this is not just a uh, an Impossible Burger or something like that. So, exactly. So, so I, I think one of the issues I think for companies on a marketing basis, their concern is is the vegan market. Um, um, so I'm not an expert in, in in that market, but you know, if it's derived from you know, a slaughtered animal. So, you know, it, it, that may make it more difficult for them. I, I don't know exactly what their position will be. It's interesting, you know, in terms of halal, their position is that it has to come from a slaughtered animal. That's interesting. Okay. So, um, I, I'm, I'm just wondering, what is, what is the opposition? Why would it, where, where is it that, I mean, we know, it's a very interesting thing about Jewish law, for people that are not familiar with it, or some of our listeners, that not everybody, there's, there's no universal opinion when it comes to, to Jewish law. There's a, 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 a whole universe extending from it's absolutely 100% not allowed to absolutely 100% allowed, and... As we say, these are both the words of God. They're both correct. So why, it seems so simple that the way you're describing it, what would be the objection, Rabbi Ganak? The objection of? 
of it being classified as kosher to begin with? Um, kosher to begin with, if it comes, if it comes from a non-slaughtered animal, so then it would not be kosher because because you're not allowed to take avim and achai or bosim achai, a limb from a living animal. That's not kosher. So anything that's derived from something not kosher is itself not kosher. So that's why we require that we're going to require that it comes in terms of the meat from a slaughtered animal. Okay, so um, I'm kind of thinking about the uh, the the whole problem with say like Jello, gelatin, for example. A uh, hundred years ago, and change. So there was a product called Jello gelatin, and it was quote unquote certified kosher, and people considered it kosher, even though it was derived from animal products, but the idea being that it's so far removed from being an animal that we're going to consider it not only not a, uh, kosher, but we're not, not, only not, co- not only is it kosher, but we're even going to say that it's not even meat anymore, and you can have cream of jello pudding, whatever you're going to do with this stuff. But then later on, um, somewhere in the 50s and 60s, wherever it was, so that opinion got like knocked back, and now people don't <clears throat> buy Jello gelatin <clears throat> anymore and call it kosher. Are we are we kind of opening ourselves up a little bit for this Rabbeinak? That right now we're saying it is, but maybe in the future people are going to say no. You can't you can't do this. It's not kosher. Well, listen, there are always different opinions. So let me, let me, your, your opinion about Jello, as you mentioned before, it's the it is halacha. It's a system of law, and within that context, so the people have different interpretations and different opinions. So, in your example of Jello, there were prominent position, actually, Chaim Oyser, which was the opinion that Jello is okay, even though it's derived from animal animal Jello, but it, he thought that it was so changed um, that it would be permitted. The Alan Cutler. Um, was of the opinion that jello, the kind of gelatins, are not permitted, and that's the position that um, became became more universally, you know, accepted. Um, that's the OU's position, for example. Okay, so you don't envision that. I mean, it's hard to see we're we're not prophets, but you do not envision such a thing happening, say, in the next fifty or a hundred years from now, that people are finally going to look around and think. Well, what were those people back in 2023 thinking that they would say that this is even kosher? You, this is no, your... no. You know, I, I can't predict the future in terms of what people will think in, in a long time from now. But that's our position now. But there are significant people who think that it's it's okay to take from a live animal. Because they think either because the product is nifsil becomes so changed, that um, or because it's microscopic. Other reasons that they have. Um, as a matter of fact, Rabbi Lau, who's the current Ashkenazi chief rabbi of Israel has published such a position. Um, so there are other opinions. Um, I have a high regard for Rabbi Lau. We're friends. Um, we just don't agree about this. Uh-huh. So from, given the spectrum, so you would say that the OU's position is more stringent than the other opinions then? Th- than those. But I, I think, you know, one of the things about the egg and this one of the people who's been very involved with this is Rabbi Ramon, a wonderful person in, um, in Israel. And, and you know, one of the things we want to do is we, we, don't, we want to try to find something that's universally accepted. 
So this would be, at least on the poultry side, and we and we want you know we don't, we don't, it would be terrible to have a situation that half the population, the kosher population, thinks it's you know kosher, and the other half thinks it's not. We're trying to find a unified position. So on the meat, you know, the unified position would require shkita, slaughter of the animal. On um, and, and you know, not the, the interesting thing is, well, you know, once they slaughter an, one animal, a few animals, they take the stem cells and that they, you know, they can go a long time with that. Right, um, the whole tree of stem cells that that we know about. Right. Yes. Okay. So. Um... The, the, so let's let's have some something a little bit more uh, um, having to do with uh, ethics per se. So right now they're they're growing something that looks like a schnitzel. Okay, I'm assuming it's not ground beef that or ground meat. It looks like it's not the soft mushy stuff, but it's like actually has some kind of texture and fiber to it. Would that be correct? Say that again. I'm asking, what does this stuff look like? Does it look like mush? No, so no, it doesn't look like. I mean, look, if it's gonna if it's gonna be marketable, it's gonna have to look like meat. Okay, so either it's gonna, poultry or meat. It's gonna have to look. You know, when we get, when we get to the, it's gonna have to look like a steak. Uh-huh. The same constituency, the consistency, the same taste. Otherwise, the market is not gonna be there for them. Okay, now given the way science works, and I'm I'm not even think I'm not even. This is not even a tongue-in-cheek question, but knowing that science is developing very rapidly. So I can imagine that sometime in the not that far future that they're going to be able to take those stem cells and they're going to be able to incubate them and they're going to come up with a live chicken, a live cow. So now the question then is, is, well, what are we going to do with this live cow, for example? If it was taken from a stem cell that was slaughtered already, does it become a Ben Kapikua? That it, uh, the rule is, is that if you find a calf, a living calf in a slaughtered animal, the animal doesn't need to be slaughtered. It can be killed. Or is the, uh, the chicken that's going to come from it, is it technically is there something that we are allowed to eat? How do you feel about that, Rabbi Ganak? I know it's pure conjecture at this point. Yeah, um, I, uh, <laughs> we've actually had some internal discussions within our office, of course, just in terms of the abstract halacha, what the story would be. But um, um, you know, th- these issues are coming up not just in terms of animals, you know, human beings. You know, what are we? Uh, you know, somebody has it. What? Is, this is, comes back, you know, to you know, not just a question of Benkua, but, you know, even humans and so on. What's their status? Right. Now we're going to so, really serious, like really bad science fiction movies. Right. So, okay. Now, have you... It, it, is, it is worthy of another show. Okay. Good to hear. Now, we have an opportunity to call you back. It would be really wonderful. Now, the last question that I have for you, because I know you have to get time is pressing, but... Did you, by any chance, get a chance to uh, try some of the prototype? No. Oh, okay. So I wanted to ask you, well, no. what did you? No. Well, it tastes just you know, like I, tastes I, just I, like chicken. That's what I expected you to say, but yes. Yeah. So I have not, I have not tried it. Um, and as I said, there is, I think, not just prototypes. There's one, there's one restaurant because it doesn't have the governmental approvals yet. I think there's one of these um, cultured meat companies, not a kosher one, that does have one. Um, it's beginning to, I think in, in one of the European countries, it has approval, but it, it generally it's, it's not in the market yet because of this. 
you, if you look at some of these videos of some of these Israeli companies, you'll see one of Bibi Netanyahu coming to them, tasting it, sharing it, whatever it is. But it's not, um, it's not widely available yet. Okay, cool. That's going to do it. Our guest today has been Rabbi Menachem Gernach. He's the CEO of the kosher division of the Orthodox Union, one of, excuse me, the largest kosher supervisory organizations in the world. And we've been talking about kosher lab-grown meat, or if you prefer the word cultured meat. It sounds much better to be cultured than to be lab. But we want to thank you so much, and we hope to come back and Maybe keep us apprised of future developments in this and other topics, Rabbi Ganak. Okay, so let me wish you all the democracy and it's over. Thank you so much. Good and healthy. Take care. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Want assurance of quality and excellence in kosher? Look for the Michigan K on the label. What's it look like? The Lower Peninsula of Michigan with a K. It's the symbol of the Michigan Kosher Supervisors. Go to their website, mycosup.com. That's M-I for Michigan, K-O for kosher, and S-U-P for supervisors, mycosup.com, and find this month's featured products. You'll find Michigan K products wherever fine food is sold, especially at Natural Food Patch on West Nine Mile Road in Ferndale. Herschel Finman here. You're listening to the Jewish Hour. I'm kind of left a little scratch in my head from that one. I don't know. Yes, maybe. No, I don't. I don't know. Um, it's out for me. If someone were to offer me some quote unquote cultured meat right this second, I'm not sure that I would put it into my body because I, I don't eat corn syrup because it's not healthy. I don't know about, uh, meat grown in a laboratory. So they're going to have to do some convincing, some really good marketing to get me to, to, to procure some of that stuff. Anyway. So, let's just change the attitude together. This is Uri Davidi, no stranger to the Jewish hour. The song is called Aguda Achas. We're all one large group. of his dear father and doctors say it's time to pull the plug but Aguda says Revit we've got you covered and we'll get through this as one battling the front lines for education for freedom they take up the call and special needs have their fierce dedication to Rev Yisrael and Paul Yisrael.
know there's an opiate epidemic, but Advanced Rapid Detox has a solution for people addicted to pain pills, heroin, and dependent on Suboxone and Methadone. Advanced Rapid Detox performs detox under sedation in the hospital. Patients sleep through withdrawals and wake up without cravings. Dr. Julia Aronoff and the staff at Advanced Rapid Detox help people restore their lives and the lives of their families. Addiction affects everyone, even in the Jewish community, and Advanced Rapid Detox is there to help. Call 800-603-1813. That's 800-603-1813. Or visit them online at www.advancedrapiddetox.com. Herschel Finman, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. Up next, this is the Izalag Klezmer Band. I think they're from Czech, the Czech Republic. And this is a Hazer Bulger. It's a Klezmer standard, but why not?
Why go anywhere else when you could go to One Stop Kosher? Located on Greenfield Road, just south of 696, you're never far from One Stop Kosher. At One Stop Kosher, you'll find the largest selection of kosher wines in Michigan. One Stop Kosher has the freshest produce, the best dairy, deli, and meats. They're gourmet. They even have a kosher bakery right on the premise. It's One Stop Kosher on Greenfield Road in 696 for all your shopping needs. Herschel Finman, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. We got time for one more. Excuse me, we have time to play one more song for your listening pleasure. This is we played Ishai Reboy last week, together with Mordechai Ben David. This week we're playing Ishai Reboy. He's like really hot. He's like what's what's really uh, up on the in the Jewish music scene. So Ishai Reboy, Mati Steinmetz, who's no slouch. The song is Nafshi Tarog, My Soul Desires. Nafshi, oi nafshi, chamda Chamda betzel yadecha
Why go to a hospital to get healthy? At Encompass Healthcare, you get the state-of-the-art wound care like in a hospital. The same medicines, the same everything without being in a hospital. Why put yourself at risk of getting a hospital-borne infection? Did you know that last year, one in six people died in America because of infections they got in hospitals? Encompass Healthcare is an outpatient facility. That means you get your wound care treatment and then go home. There are no wait times at Encompass Healthcare like in ERs. Healthcare is personal and works better, faster, and easier. Encompass Healthcare provides a state-of-the-art outpatient facility close to where you live. Call 248-624-9800. That's 624-9800. Auto accident, workman's comp, and most insurances accepted. Encompass Healthcare's goal is to get you healthy with as little disturbance to your daily activities. Call 248-624-9800. Herschel Finman, here you are listening to the Jewish Hour. We've got a week this week. Sunday night is Yom Kippur. Friday night is Sukkot. So let's talk about both of those. What's Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur's got really good PR. Like, people, they they know about Yom Kippur. You know, you go to the synagogue, you get all your sins forgiven, and uh, Sukkot is okay. So it's, got, it's, not, it's not like Shavuos that people never heard of it. Some people, you know, a lot of people have heard of Sukkot, and some people do participate, and we'll talk about that in a sec. But what's happening on Yom Kippur? It's an interesting thing. It says that a person who eats the day before Yom Kippur, which would be, which would be Sunday, and then fasts on Yom Kippur is credited as having fasted two days. Okay, there's various reasons given. We're going to focus on one. The eating that a person does on Yom Kippur is also a mitzvah. We're told you have to eat to the point where you afflict yourself. You're supposed to stuff yourself the day before Yom Kippur. Two large meals. Because there's different ways in which the Almighty can forgive us. The Almighty can forgive us through fasting, and the Almighty can forgive us through eating. And that's what happens on the first day, on Sunday. On Sunday, it says our connection, is, which is, which is uh, uh, described in last week's portion, Hazino, is Yaakov Chevonachalase. Jacob is like a rope with their inheritance, the taking liberty with the translation that our connection to the Almighty is like being tied with a long rope. And when a rope, which is, by the way, made of 613 strands, and when a person violates a commandment, they snap one of the strands. If they do something really heinous, then the rope is cut. What we get to do the day before Yom Kippur is we get to start our return. Now, what happens if you have a rope? and you still want to use the rope, what do you do? You tie a knot. And the very interesting thing is, is that the knot now becomes the strongest part of the rope. It's four times the thickness of the rope. And guaranteed that the rope is not going to break at the knot. It may break next to the knot, but it's not going to break at the knot because it's such a strong strong, uh, connection. That's what happens on the day before Yom Kippur. What happens on Yom Kippur? You take a look. you got this rope with this knot in it. It's like, who wants a rope with a knot in it? You know, so Yom Kippur then smooths out the rope. So it's like the knot was never even there. 
It's like you got a brand new rope. What happens at that point is there is a paradigm shift in our on what's going on in, in our psyches. Rosh Hashanah, the 10 days of, of uh, repentance, and Shabbat Shuva, and Yom Kippur. So they're called the days of awe. And we're concerned. Are we going to get, we're going to make it to have a good year this year. Comes along Sukkot. Sukkot is called Zman Simchasein, at the time of our rejoicing. And we get to party. And that's exactly what it is. Sukkot is Jewish party time at Jewish Ferndale. We will be, if you're listening to this, on Wednesday night, we will be putting up the sukkah. That's Wednesday at 5 o'clock, and we need all the volunteers to come and help. And, of course, with everything at Jewish Ferndale, there's always food, so there'll be some light refreshments. And the more people we have, the quicker it goes. Then Friday night is Shabbos. So this is Shabbos sukkahs, and we'll have Shabbos in our sukkah. We have the largest sukkah in Ferndale. And then the following Tuesday, she's supposed to party. So on Tuesday, we have a party with live music. It's always it's always a happening thing. We've been doing sukkahs since before we even owned the building. We were doing sukkah parties. It was really cool. We did a sukkah party. There was a bar. Before we bought the building, there was a bar in Ferndale, downtown Ferndale, that had like a portico in its courtyard. And it had these beams that were going across this courtyard. And we just threw bamboo mats on top of the on top of the portico. Perfect. And people had a wonderful time because that's what it is. That's all about. It's about having a fun time. So we see that ultimately the Baal Shem Tov, one of his things says is if you're going to have fun on Shavua, on Sukkot, you can have fun on Yom Kippur too. Okay, you're fasting. But the fasting is not because you're not allowed to eat. The fasting is because you don't need to eat. It's we're relating to the Almighty in a higher way. And in Simcha's Torah, excuse me, Sukkot, also, we relate to the Almighty in a higher way, and this will segue us into the story, which will come on the backside of the following commercial. Don't go away. You're listening to The Jewish Hour. Some things are better the way they used to be, like the crisp feel of a cool autumn day, the serenity of a baby sleeping, or the feeling of coming home after a long trip. Franklin Cider Mills makes cider the way cider is supposed to be, its old-fashioned, clear, crisp taste reminds you of a cool autumn day. Located in the heart of historic Franklin Village at 14 Mile and Franklin Road, Franklin Cider Mill has been making cider the same way for over a century. Always fresh, with no additives or preservatives. You just can't buy Franklin Cider in any supermarket. Franklin Cider Mill is open from Labor Day weekend to after Thanksgiving from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Come visit Franklin Cider Mill. It's kind of like coming home. Jewish Hour. Want to get in touch with me? Easiest, bestest, simplest way? Go to my website, rabbifinman.com. Right on the homepage, you'll have a way to contact me. You can pose any comment, question, query, criticism, critique, anything. If it begins with a Q or the other letters of the alphabet, no problemo. I usually answer all this stuff on, on Sunday. I'm not sure I'm going to get to it this week before Yom Kippur, but if you send me something, I'll get to it for sure. If you want to have a request to uh, play some specific song, no prob. We'll we'll track it down in the Jewish Hour archives. We do it all the time. You'll also find ways in which we entertain people and educate them somewhat and uh, 
also in there, the donations pictures we're going to talk about because someone paid for this month and next. We're getting up to next month already soon. So check out RabbiFinman.com and also check out JewishFerndale.com. About 200 years ago, no, not that time, 150 years ago, the town of Berdych of central uh, western, excuse me, central western Ukraine, the famed Levyitzik Bardichev. There was a man, just a guy, doesn't even have a name in the story. We'll call him Chaim. Devoted his free time to redeeming captives. Very big mitzvah. People would get thrown into jail and held for ransom, for fines, whatever it was, back taxes. And this man would go collect money to get these people out of jail. So it happened that a family got thrown into jail the day before Yom Kippur, which you can understand why we're telling this story, for not paying their rent. A whole family, clean little baby, an infant. So this man ran to Levi Yitzhak of Bardichev, the rabbi, and said, Rabbi, what are we going to do? So the rabbi told him, go knock on doors. Go ask people for money. So he's knocking on doors. It's Erev Yom Kippur. He's got a sundown to catch. He's got food to eat. He's getting pennies. He says, this is not working. So in Berdicha, Berdicha was a mixed town as far as religiosity. There are people who are very religious, and there are people who are very not religious. So he decided he's going to go hit the bank president, not religious. He knocks on the door. He gets led into the parlor, and the bank president and three of his buddies are playing cards. Erev Yom Kippur, when they're supposed to be like getting ready for the holiest day of the year. No, they're playing cards. So he tells the bank president, the problem, and he says he needs 400 rubles. He says, the bank president says, I'm not giving you 400 rubles. It's a lot of money. He says, but the, he says, you know what? I'll give you 100 rubles if you drink the entire contents in this glass. Now, what were they doing? They're not just playing cards. The expression is in Yiddish is a far schicker in zich. They were drinking adult beverages. And what kind of adult beverage? We're talking Russia over here. In the middle of the, of the, of the table was a four-ounce glass of straight grain alcohol. We call it Zechlik Neisiker, 96 proof. Excuse me, 96%, 182, 192 proof. And they would put some of that into a glass. They would mix it with some, some water or some juice, whatever it was, and that's how they would drink it. He says, if you drink this whole glass, I'll give you 100 rubles. He says, 100 rubles? That's a quarter of the way there. So he picks up the glass, says the l'chaim, says the bracha for drinking, knocks it straight back. The kick from it was so intense, it knocked him flat on the floor. Picked himself up. The guy handed him 100 rubles. His friend says, I, that was really cool. Could you do that again? I'll give you 100 rubles too. He says, another 100 rubles? Terrific. Okay? And he did it a second time. And it's, I don't know if you've ever experienced the pain of drinking straight alcohol. Someone once poured me a cup, didn't tell me that it was straight grain. I thought it was just plain, plain vodka. Said L'chaim, knocked it back. And within minutes, I couldn't pick my arms up. This is like, whoa, this is serious stuff going on. He's now got eight ounces of straight grain alcohol in his body. And 200 rubles. The third guy said, you know what? I'll do it too. And so did the fourth. So he now has a pint of straight grain alcohol in his body. He's lucky he did not die. But he could hardly walk. And by the time he got to Levi Yitzhak Bardichev's house, the big shul was where right next to it. So he crawled up to Levi Bardichev and he said, here's the 400 rubles. 
go redeem the family. And he crawled. The rabbi's house was adjacent. The back door of the rabbi's house led to the front of the synagogue, which is very common in, in Europe. And he crawled to the back of the synagogue and he lay down on a bench. I think he threw up a couple times, and who knows what he was doing over there. And he's cropping Zicharain, as they say. He's just snoring. And people are starting to come in. It's Yom Kippur. And they're looking at him like, ew, who is this drunkard? Just like, this is Yom Kippur. He's just snoring away. And we get to the Yom Kippur. It's the holiest time. Kol Nidre, the, the, one of the... The beginning of it, which is such, such, such ceremony and such such magnanimity, they take out all the Torahs from the from the ark, and the rabbi uh, or the chazan leads with Kol Right, you know it goes on. This is the thing over here. We usually close this week with Kol Nidri, but we're not going to do it. And I'll tell you why later. So suddenly he kind of like wakes up, and at this point he is just drunk. Normal drunk. He managed to sleep it off. He didn't die, thank God. And he's looking around, and he sees everybody around, and he sees the towers up on up on the bima, and he's just like, he can't figure out what the heck is going on. He's like, he's still stewed. And he puts it together and goes, oh, it's Simcha's Torah. Simcha's Torah is the happiest day of the year. We're dancing because we finished the Torah. And when the Torah is like, says, I want to dance now. And he runs up to the bima and he starts and he grabs the Torah and he starts dancing around with it. And he is singing it, Simcha's Torah, Simcha's Torah. It's Yom Kippur. It's like, you know, hello, this is Solomon over here. Who is this drunk? And they're going to pick him up. They're going to throw him out. Levi Yitzhak Barditchev stopped him and said, leave him alone. What he did, he bypassed Yom Kippur and went straight to Simcha's Torah. Okay. And uh, we'll talk about that next week when we talk about Simcha's Torah. That's going to do it. We thank you so much for tuning in. We, instead of playing Kol Nidri, which is what we've been doing for like the last 30 years, we're playing Elikai Neshama by Deddy, also known as Ra- David Groucher of Blessed Memory, because he passed away this week at the age of 62. And we send our condolences to the family and wish them only bad, best. And we wish you that. We hope we had a chance to entertain you a bit. We hope we had a chance to educate you a bit. We hope you have an awesome Yum Kipper, the beginning of Sukkis. We'll be this the end of the week. And uh, take care. <laughs>
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.